This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm very excited about our interview, our guest today, as we're going to talk about raising the level of excellence and productivity in your practice today. So Dr. Rick Simcock was raised in Walla Walla, Washington. He went to high school in Walla Walla, Washington. He went to college in Walla Walla, Washington, and he graduated college in 1988. Following college, he received his DDS degree from Loma Linda University in Southern California in 1997. Upon After he graduated, he was accepted for a two-year postgraduate residency in endodontics at Albert Einstein Medical Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I think that's on the East Coast, what they say is only the wicked smart people go there. So Albert Einstein, that seems like you got a, a lot to live up to. So uh, he then completed his residency in 1999 and received his certificate in endodontics. In August of 99, he then uh, moved with his family to Skagit County to open his practice, his endodontic practice there. In 2016, he opened another practice in Bellingham, Washington. And in 2020, he started an endodontic coaching program called Endo to Endo, which focuses on clinical efficiency and scheduling to maximize productivity. So Dr. Simcock and his wonderful wife, Hannah, have two children, Ethan and Lindsay, and they enjoy all the activities that you can imagine in Washington, uh, the Pacific Northwest, including skiing, snowboarding, wake surfing. I've seen the, the uh, Instagram pictures, <laughs> doctor of you doing all these things. Uh, his personal interests also include music, mountain biking, running, reading, and traveling. So, and I think you're in a band. We'll talk about that at some point too. So welcome Dr. Simcock. And I'm just, I'm very excited to get into this subject of just, just exceeding and, and becoming, raising that bar of excellence and productivity in your practice today. So thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. This is going to be fun. And uh, hey, you nailed that intro. We didn't have to even start it over. That's perfect. Hey, first take, right? All right. Awesome. <laughs> it's amazing the bios that I get to read. I love it. I mean, it, it brings credibility. So let's just, let's swing for the fences here right out the gate. I mean, you obviously have, have done this really well. I've seen your numbers. I worked with you for a while. Your productivity is through the roof. I tell other endodontists and doctors what you're doing and it blows their mind. And they go, there's no way. So we're going to get into this. We're going to share some secrets and hopefully those listening get huge value out of listening to this podcast uh, or watching it on YouTube. So let's start with the home run here. What has been one of the biggest aha moments just in your life in general? Well, I go back to when I finished my residency, you know, we know all the clinical studies, we know the, the basics, the science and all those things. Mm -hmm. And when you start a practice coming and all you've known is being in school, uh, all of a sudden there's this like stark realization that, oh my word, I'm running a business now. And I quickly, you know, every motivational speaker, any, anybody talking about practice management, I just literally had to, every AAE meeting, that's where I would go and listen to all these people. I heard Ace Gorig speak, mm -hmm. and he's been a huge mentor to me. And uh, I think the biggest aha was, you know, to realize that, that we all have blind spots. Mm -hmm. And and for me, the blind spot was, you know, how do I run a productive business? And 
and uh, not be married to my practice, uh, you know, 24 seven, 365 days a, a year, it's not good life balance. And so I think the aha moment for me was surrounding myself with people that could help me see things that I couldn't see. And, uh, and, and that, that was, that was huge. And I've had several other mentors that were the same way. Um, and I think that's the gift is being able to put people around you that can help you see what you don't know. Uh, beautifully said, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And let me ask you a question. Do you do that? And as a say, okay, now teach me everything, you know, guru, and then I'm going to go do it myself. Or are you more of a, Hey, I'm going to bring you as part of my team and you're going to like strength finder, right? You're going to be strong where I'm weak. How, what's your approach? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the things I wanted to keep my individuality, uh, mm-hmm. cause there's a lot of things that, that are suggestions that really didn't apply to my, my situation and my practice. And so, uh, I think, I think I kind of piecemealed, you know, some philosophy from this person, some philosophy from that person, some ideas from this person. And, and then coupled with your own experience, you know, that that's the perfect sauce, right? It's like, take the input and then apply it to your own situation. And I think that's, what good coaches do in, in basketball, football, any sport uh, is that they take what's there and then build on it. And, you know, not, not a cookie cutter ap- approach to your golf swing or basketball plays. Uh, you know, you want to go with the strength of what's happening. And I think that's been the fun part. Uh, I kind of want to be a basketball coach too. <laughs> I'd love to get, you know, involved and, Yelling at refs and all those fun. <laughs> well, as a coach, you 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 will have to have that natural skill set to do that. Well, you're. I, I just on a side note, I figured you would say, I want to teach people how to uh, play the bass in, in yes. a band, right? Well, you know, and my whole music career from high school. I mean, I was a classically trained pianist and did competitions. I had a degree in music in early keyboard performance, so I was a playing pipe organs and harpsichords. And, and I just got to that point. So another aha moment was realizing that I didn't want music to be my professional mm-hmm. career. I mean, yeah. I went back to New York and spent a summer at Eastman School of Music. And there was all these people with PhDs and master's degrees and, and unemployed. And yeah. I really was like, wow, I love music, but I, I don't love it that, <laughs> that much. Yeah. So I realized that I could make music a, a hobby and and luckily I've been able to just be a part of a great group of, of people and we just love, we all have day jobs. So, you know, we're not uh, selling out major arenas by any. <laughs> but you're doing something, you still get to do something you love because you have really That's good right. life work balance. Yeah. I, I deal this all the time and, and more on the life coaching side, I'll be honest, but talk with people about, I just don't love what I do. And, you know, we coach dental team members, life coaching side of things all the time, you know, happy in the home, happy at work, happy at work, happy at home. We work on both areas of this and we'll use the analogy of ISO. It comes from a book, uh, ISO. So what are your interests? I really love music. You know, what's your skills? Am I good at it? Yeah. Skills, opportunity. Oh, it's not really work out there for that. <laughs> so yeah. ISO, you, 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 the circles overlap. What are your interests? What are your skills? What are your opportunity? And a lot of times people go, you know, I'm really good at this job, but I don't love it. You know, it doesn't interest me. 
And so that interest category starts to, that bubble starts to disappear and, and separate, move away. And so how have you pulled the interest of life back into the practice? Like how have you found joy in what you're doing, even though somebody might say, wow, endodontics, you're doing the same thing all day long. You know, how do you, how do you create joy in that? Well, I think for me, it's finding, you know, that I'm out of the office more than I'm actually in the office. Uh, I'm a part of the business. I'm not running the, the, the day-to-day things that have to get done. So I think training your, your team and your staff is huge to, to, to make that. So, you know, my job, if you look at my job description and I try and write a job description for myself every year, it's getting smaller and smaller. I like to lead the team, you know, like to like sketch the, the picture mm-hmm. and I want my team to color that, that picture. And if we need to, you know, switch colors or switch vibes, that's something that I want my team to do. So for me, having time out of the office allowed me to feel free. It allowed me to feel like, wow, I've, I've got extra days here. I want to, I want to start playing, you know, more music. Yeah. Uh, I want to take trips. I want to, I want to, I want to spend time uh, enjoying all the great things because this, this whole myth of we work like to the bone. Right. And then there's this magical moment of, of when retirement hits mm-hmm. and you've heard story after story and probably have worked with clients that they just never learn to enjoy their life in the process. And, yeah. you know, it, at some point your, your job will be done. And if you haven't learned to enjoy your life and love your life, it's going to be a total mess. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I think, and luckily I've had the the good mentors and Kendrick Mercer and uh, Kyle Mercer and and the garden company, and as well as uh, Ace Gorig. And and that's that philosophy just comes through. And Mm -hmm. if your mind's open, you, you just go, wow, that sounds like a great way to live your life. And boom, (laughs) it's kind of, kind of way it happens. So good. So good. I, I, you know, I, I, I remind, I'm remind, reminded back in, into North Carolina about I don't know, 15, 16 years ago. And I had this, this almost same conversation, but on the opposite side of it with a dentist, pretty successful dentist who had gone back to school after being in finance and knew the numbers doing the business, but just wasn't happy. And we had this conversation. I'm like, what other profession can you work four days a week, three days a week, and make a decent living and, and then be able to go and enjoy your life. Now it's finding out how you do that job well four days a week to find fall in love with it, right? Create the opportunity, create the skills, and then the interest will follow. So what have you found is your, your balance with number of days you work so that you get to enjoy things and still make a decent living? How, how has that worked for you? What have you discovered? I am in my best I'm the best version of myself when I'm spending about two and a half days a week uh, with the practice. And to be honest with you, I kind of like two days a week because the, at the level of the patient levels, when I'm in the practice uh, to do that four days a week, I, I think I would be exhausted just from a physical standpoint. Yeah. So my, my jam is, is to be in the office two days a week with, with patients and then devote a half day a week to, to do team building, to, to work on skills with the, the, the staff on things that I want them to take over and constantly keep creating that, that situation. And then when you bring new, new employees on, that 
probably goes to three days a week because you just really want to keep keep sharing what you want. And mm -hmm. so, but I, you know, and that's why having an associate is so important is that I, I don't really want to work five days a week. And I don't think anybody should do that uh, at, at, at the, the pace and, and the okay. that we do. So I got, I, I just, I can hear it. People listening right now, this going, what are you talking about working two days a week? How do you do that? How do you make a living? How do you afford the beautiful art behind you, right? Working two days a week. So what's your secret? What's your mojo then? Well, it, so when I have an associate, it's two days a week. Uh, okay. I've been doing I've been doing three days a week, and and you know that when when you get efficient doing one thing, and so it's difficult for people to understand uh, that it's so easy to get good at one thing and efficient because it's we're just doing basically one thing. Yes, there's retreatments and there's surgery and all those things, but uh, so. And it's, 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 it's more of a feeling of like being efficient and productive. Mm -hmm. We're not rushing and hurrying, but I just find that, that nice pace of a certain number of cases a day. And, and, you know, I'm the last one to get to the office and I'm the first one to leave. And I think getting, trying to get out of debt and all those things, I think sometimes we as doctors spend too much money. We, we buy the house, we buy the cars, we buy this and that, and we have this such a economic pressure on our shoulders that when we walk into the practice, we just feel chained to it and we feel just trapped. And I think the past several years of my life is feeling that freedom start to, to go and, and I interact with patients differently. Uh, and just to have that freedom to know that if you have a day of, you know, six or seven root canals, that's, that's great. It's, it's not like, Oh my word, I'm not going to be able to pay for that or, you know, that economic tension that we can sometimes bring upon ourselves. So when you say six or seven, you say it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Some people out there going, uh, I do four or five root canals yeah. a day. So what, what do you mean six or seven? What, what's a good day for you? Well, my, my favorite, uh, my favorite number of cases is probably 11 to 12. That, wow. that, that is, you know, and we just, train our referring dentists and, and, and they train us and we just really want that uh, close relationship. So, you know, when they have a patient in their chair and needs a root canal, we want them to call us. And yeah. so we always save time in our schedule for certain docs. And I had an opportunity to speak with some general dentists in California. And uh, I said, you know, Hey, you know, find your specialty team and, you know, tell them what you want. And because sometimes endodontists get the feeling that with the, this, this referring dentist sends a few here, a few there, a few to this one. And mm -hmm. I said, whoever has the next opening. Yeah. Which is great if a patient's in pain, but, but I said, you know what, if you're sending all your cases to a particular endodontist or an oral surgeon, uh, they should be able to see your emergencies whenever you need them. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the business that we want to be in is why would, we don't want that patient to go anywhere else. We're, we're going to take care of them today. We're first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. We can't stay two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Well, and, right now everybody's so backed up. I mean, I'm hearing anadonis that are scheduling people two months out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the most dangerous thing to be. In. And I get it. It feels good to look at the, at your calendar and go, Oh my word, I'm so busy, but you know, uh, we don't like to be booked out more than, than two, two days. 
Yeah. Uh, it actually increases the chance of cancellations and no shows when you're booked out that far in those sorts of situations. So you know that yeah. motivation lasts seven days. So here's my, my next question that I hear people out there thinking right now, how do you see 11 endo patients a day? Are you just opening and draining and moving on? Or are you actually completing these? How do you yeah. do that? What is that even possible? Well, first off, I guess I've always kind of had this idea that that clinical efficiency is the backbone of everything. Mm-hmm. And if, if it takes you two hours to do a root canal, I guarantee there's things that could be changed, adapted, adopted, let go of that you're doing that it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to be that long with the patient. And first, first thing is always excellence in care and the patient comes first. And so, but we have just gotten to this, this, pace with the technology that's available to us now that there's really nothing to do past a certain amount of time. The tooth is clean. It's ready to be filled. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a few cases that we can't single visit like that, but you know, patients want to just come into the practice, get the root canal and go on their way. Yes. And the more friction or obstacles that we throw in there, oh, we have to do a consult first you know, that's all just training, getting your team to know what the feeling is of that sounds like a root canal, you know, maybe we should have you in just to take a look to see, you know, what's going on. Uh, But, you know, my team is just so great at just knowing what the symptoms of a root canal are. And uh, I spend a lot of time with them on that uh, to make sure because it makes my life easier. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have to always be um, seeing consults all the time. So but yeah, it's, it's single visit start to finish. Um, and Amazing. it's, it, it's not, it's not as hard as it seems, but again, if you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> yes, there it is again. Yes. That, that that's the thing. So, and since you've brought that up, I'll, I'll talk about this. This relates to definition of insanity. We talk about this again, life coaching or executive or professional coaching, but the results you're getting today five or six root canals a day, right? The results you're getting today are based upon the actions that you're taking, not the knowledge you have. Oh, I know I could do 11, but I'm doing five. It's the actions you're taking. Okay. And those actions you're taking are stemming from the beliefs you have about you. So really what you're saying is I'm going to challenge the belief you have, therefore create a different action to create a different result. And most people base their belief on whatever's pouring into them. The, the social media documentary, you know, exposed us on that. Whatever you're going to believe, you're going to give more of what you believe and more of what you believe. Well, all of a sudden, boop, oh, wait, here's a different thought. I'm listening to a podcast and here's a different thought. Ooh, what's my action, you know, going to be because of this? Will it change my results? So I put that out there for those of you listening that are thinking, um, yeah, I don't believe that. I can't do that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've worked with several clients now in the same exact boat that are doing exactly what you're doing on the endo side that are phenomenal. And I think you're doing it top notch. And I, I think it's impressive. And I think you're doing it so well that you're actually helping other offices do this too. And not, you know, you're here sharing that information, but what are, what are some things you're seeing other offices do? You've uncovered some things that you thought, okay, you don't know what you don't know, right? Here's some bad knowledge, some bad inf- beliefs. So what have you picked up out there that you've seen in other offices that you've worked a, with? A couple of things jump jumped to my mind. One is this whole idea of having to do a consult first and then do a treatment. So, and again, getting the team being able to, to make that kind of instinct 
they're not diagnosing, but mm-hmm. they're getting a feel for what's a treatment and what's not, and then preparing the patient for that. And do you mean on the phone, chair side? Yes. Where is that happening? Yeah, all we want all of those things to be happening uh, in the phone conversation. We actually time everything in the practice. And so we realize that our front team spends on average 40 minutes per patient mm-hmm. wow. coming in. So that's like getting all the symptoms, name, referring dentist, going through our kind of call sheet that all the important things going into their medical history, dental history. So all these things that, Hey, we're going to check your insurance and find out, you know, what your plan is and, and, and we'll get back to you with that. But so if we add up all that time, you know, that's, that's 40 minutes and many Mm -hmm. practices end up having, Oh, oh, you need an appointment at eight o'clock. All right. We'll come in at eight o'clock. And so then the process starts when the patient down in the chair. Now it's molasses. <laughs> yeah. Now it is a two hour appointment because yeah, you've got to call it. insurance. You got to talk fees. The patient might decide they don't want to save their tooth. Yep. Uh, and then you just wasted a lot of important time and we can't get that back. So we're taking the great call process that, that all star trains on and we're, we're making it even, even greater. We're, yep. we're really looking for some certain symptoms and key talking points to differentiate what type of patient is this going to be for this practice? Now, on a side note for the GPs who are listening in our coaching, we talked about this as exam typing. And especially if you have multiple doctors, who's going to be doing what? And this is a phenomenal system, just like periotyping, but we can exam type somewhat on the phone, but then you have a team member who can complete that exam typing in the practice. So we're not wasting hours of doctor time and being so inefficient with new patients we're booked out so far right now and you're making a new patient wait a month or two months and you've got an hour open in your hygiene schedule tomorrow. That just doesn't make sense to me. Now, some people hear that and go, yeah, my belief, Eric, is something totally different than yours, which means you think I'm talking about doing a cleaning and hygiene tomorrow. No, I'm thinking about you using your hygienist to do something different. Now, guess what I'm going to ask you next? <laughs> so, so you have a hygienist as an endodontist and in a practice. Tell us about that. Oh my word. Uh, I get, you know, I've been ended on us for 23, 22, 23 years. I know it, I'm dating myself and <laughs> I'm a, I'm a grandpa too. So I, it all kind of makes sense, but I don't, I don't feel uh, 50, 52 years old, but anyway, I, I think I'm always looking for things uh, that I can change that make my life easier or less stressful, meaning it might take energy to, to give an injection to a nervous patient. And I just had this idea. I know a few other of my colleagues have had that idea. And, and of course, everybody looks at, oh, your overhead. Why would you do that? And boy, let me tell you, it, it was the absolute best thing I've ever done for my own sanity. And she did not want to practice hygiene anymore. Mm. She physically was just like, you know, I can't do this four days a week. I really love giving injections. I've always loved giving injections. And so mm-hmm. it was just a perfect fit. And what it did for me is it changed my relationship with the patients uh, just a little bit. And, and, and she's so gentle. And, you know, when, when, when she walks into the room and introduces herself and, and uh, you know, I think people just feel comfort and, uh, mm. you know, and I, sometimes I will do supplemental anesthesia. So, intraosseous anesthesia on some hot teeth. We I'll do that, but they're already completely numb. Yeah. And so it's just a very 
easy procedure. So it's just freed up a lot of time. And I guess now we're getting to the point where it, it it frees up maybe to add another emergency patient or a few more consults because it just speeds up my, my day. Well, when we did the math on this, you and I were looking at, well, what are we going to pay them? What's that going to be per day? Let's say worst case scenario. I mean, absolute worst case scenario, $500 a day. That would be worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And now while well, you're scheduled, you're doing one more root canal a day, at least it's covered. It's more yeah. than covered. It's more than paying yeah. for itself. Yeah. And the emotional aspect, I think that's one of the things that I struggled and resisted the most, which is silly. I mean, we're dentists. We, we get people numb all day long. Yeah. But then when you add the endodontic anxiety patients in there. And so, you know, not, not only are they afraid in dental chairs, but now they heard the the forbidden root canal word. And so now you're dealing with a very excited patient and, yeah. you know, that all day long can, can take a toll. And I did it for many, 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 many years. And it was just like, Hey, you know, I can, I could have a team member assist me with that. There you go. And now I, I mean, I literally just walk into the practice. It's, it's so much fun. Um, you know, I did have to uh, get somebody numb the other day because uh, she was busy. <laughs> so funny to hear you say that. I did have to get uh, someone numb the other day. You're an endodontist. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it, but it, it was like, it, it was just one of those things. And I think that when you have a coach or somebody in your life that that shares things with you, that helps you look at things a little bit differently and, it, you know, having a hygienist isn't for everybody in their practice, Yeah. but man, it was, it was such a great the development in my practice. And and yeah. so now my wheels are kind of going, well, Hmm, you know, maybe this is a great practice model uh, to keep expanding on. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah you took the belief, you took the belief of something, the, inf- the information you're getting went, okay, can I put this in action? I got a different result. I, I think it was amazing. And I, I totally derailed our conversation on the truth. You said two things. I know I typed two about what you're uncovering a practice. Number one was, having to do consults and then treatment. What was the second thing? Cause I don't think we got to it. Yeah. Just the amount of wasted time. And this probably mm-hmm. could have applied to all of us, uh, mm-hmm. whether you're a general dentist, mm-hmm. oral surgeon. I mean, so we think so many things are so important and we yeah. get to practice and, and a staff member might have an issue. Uh, we might have a referral that has to talk and, 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 and talk to you about something, a case, uh, emails, uh, video games, um, social media, all these things that just drain our time. Mm. And, you know, I kind of like the, the, the lawyers, uh, that are, are patients because they, they know what time they sat down. And as soon as you're done, they're looking at the <laughs> clock and they're going, okay, <laughs> I understand the business here. <laughs> and I think, the aha moment is when people realize how much time is, is wasted either in inefficient systems or not an attention to like, Hey, when I walk in this practice, 98 to 99% of my time, I want to be treating patients Yep. and everything else can be done by the staff. If I need to speak with somebody, it can happen when we're done with patients for the day. If it's emergency, I'd like to train my staff how to, how to handle yeah an irate, anything, uh, salesperson rep. I don't need to speak with, with anybody when I'm treating patients, unless it's, uh, you know, unless the building's on fire and yeah, I probably should get up and go do something. So I think, you know, on average, I think what, what we see is about two to three hours in a given nine hour day where 
the dentist endodontist is is doing things that his team could be doing wow. and that that's a lot of oh that's my a gosh. Lot of time every day so i'm sure you've heard this before just 10 minutes wasted every day four days a week for the whole year is equivalent to taking a week's vacation that year yeah. Just 10 minutes. So if you're wasting an hour or two hours a day, the inefficiency is through the roof. You want to take one more day off? Just be more efficient than the three that you work, yeah. right? And, and I, I'm reminded, my, my very, very first mentor, my father-in-law, who's a dentist, Dr. Bryant, he said, you know, I want to do what I'm legally obligated to do, no more, no less. So the team is where everything happens. And so I see so many dentists I need to talk to the patient. They need to hear me and my voice and they need to be comfortable with me. I mean, the Mayo Clinic's pretty successful as the Mayo Clinic. I don't know who the doctors are, but they're pretty successful, you know? So it's not, it doesn't have to be all about you. It can be about your practice. It can be about your team. And I love that mentality. Now the rubber meets the road with the doctor being you can't have a great team and a, and a schmuck for a dentist, you know, come in and ruin it. It's all got to be um, synergistic. It's got to be equal. It's got to be working together. Is that fair? Yeah. And I always like, I mean, I do, I do provide the root canal treatment. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to get that on somebody else's hands, but no. How do can't. I do root canals without having to do root canals? That's the next question. Yeah. Um, just think about it really hard and concentrate. <laughs> It'll just happen. Um, but what I realized is that, you know, when you look at my time with the patient, the patient's in the practice about an hour and 20 minutes, and I'm with the patient now with the hygienist. You know, I go in and make the diagnosis, ask if they have any questions. I'm with the patient about 20, 24, 23 minutes on average. And that that's when I walk in, start the timer. When I leave to go to a console, it stops. Uh, and then when I go back in, it's going. So anytime I leave the operatory. So I'm wow. with that patient about 20, 23 to 24 minutes. And so the staff is doing everything else. I'm, I'm And I just, so right now you're doing molar endo on number two. You're telling me 20 minutes, you're done. Yeah. As far as the clock goes, it's a 40 minute procedure. So I go in make the diagnosis. But your time, your time to do it. My time. Wow. I make the diagnosis. And, you know, as you know, there's endodontists and and, and dentists in general that can take a half hour. I used to do that. I used to want to tell them all all the cells that were involved and and the clinical (laughs) diagnosis and all these things. And I think the the more I've done this and more I see patients, how they react and feel like I talk to patients very conversational. It's like, you know, you have Keep some it simple. Here. Yeah. And, yeah. and I leave the room and then the hygienist goes in, gets them numb. Then the assistant tests the tooth to see if they're numb or not. They are, the rubber dam goes on. And then now it's, I'm, I'm in and we go. And it's amazing. Uh, yeah. And it, again, it's easy to do, get really good at one thing. And I think what I've noticed with the referral uh, group that sends us patients, they do the same thing in their practice. They're not trying to do implants and, and, and oral surgery and, and endo and pedo and all these things, you know, they've limited their practice down to what they love to do. What they love to do and what they're good at. ISO. Yeah. yeah. Aesthetics, you know, mm-hmm. veneers and, and full mouth cases and all those things. That's what these guys light up. They don't want to worry about a toothache. They mm-hmm. have, you know, they have an endodontist to send that to. So and I see that there, you know, one dentist shared with me that when she st- stopped doing root canals, so she was one that would open teeth 
send it. And if she could get it done, she, she would, you know, complete the case, but she was always frustrated, you know, just hated endo, but felt like she needed to do it to keep it in house. And, Mm. and she, she realized that when she stopped, she said, get rid of all my endo stuff, get it out of the practice. Her production went up 30% the full year that she was not doing that Mm. because now she had time to do the crown preps that we were good at. That's right. That we were doing the root canals on. (laughs) And, and, you know, it was just freed up a lot of time for her. And I thought that was great. I'm glad she shared that because I always thought that, you know, the, the viewpoint was that if I refer something out, I'm losing, you're losing production. Yeah. But when you look at from the patient's perspective, you know, they, they, they really enjoy efficient treatment. And uh, this is where the hidden gem of verbal skills comes into play. I mean, your emotional intelligence, your ability to communicate effectively with patients in a simple way that doesn't waste time. You can quote, sell a case in one minute and unsell it in three minutes. Why are you still talking? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do a lot of verbal skill training with your team. Of course, we do verbal skill training everywhere on phone skills, great call process on preventing cancellations, talk about an inefficiency. And of course, case acceptance, that's, that's really our niche and helping people resign from insurance and all these sorts of things and being more productive and profitable in a fair way. We're not trying to gouge anybody or, you know, overcharge or, or manipulate or do anything without integrity. The goal is to create a win-win environment. And then patients and practices start referring to you. That's the amazing thing when they do such a great job. It just, it just, you know, positivity begets positivity, right? Yeah. Well, and I have to share, I learned a lot from you. Uh, one of the things that I, all these limiting terms, which I just <laughs> thought was so great because now we're all sniffing out to see what limiting terms, but I was the key at always saying, you know, looking at the x-ray, oh, you get a little infection down here, the tip of your root. Oh, it's little. Well, that's great. Maybe I yeah. should just leave oh, it. <laughs> then we're good for now. Yeah. It's not bothering me. Why would I spend $1,500? But again, isn't that funny? It's like here I've been doing this for so long and very efficient, yeah. but yeah, I'm using these terms that, that almost make the patient go, well, it's little. So yeah. that's not that big a deal. <laughs> You'd be surprised at how long the list of limiting terms is when you really understand what they are and how to, how to, uh, no, how do I diagnose and, and, and identify them? You're subconsciously using them. You don't even realize it. Yeah, no. And yeah. it's, it's really great awareness to say, you know, what, yeah. how I'm saying things has an effect and, and choosing words carefully. <laughs> we call it framing. Yeah. Call it framing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So thank what, you for that. Yeah. What, what else, what else would you say? Hey, this is one thing I really want to share with people out there to give some you know, just give them a, a few nuggets on how to take this, what they're listening to, what they're watching and say, all right, I'm going to improve my practice just by listening to Dr. Simcock here. What's, what's something else you want to share with them? Well, I think one of my favorite things is to make sure that everybody that you surround yourself with, whether it be friends, uh, your, your partner, um, your team, uh, everything needs to kind of support what you're, what, what you're doing uh, to, to have relationships that aren't working to have, uh, you know, staff that you're frustrated with daily yet, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, it wasn't that bad. I'm just going to go home. And, you know, that's energy that's pulled out and, and, you know, they feel it, you feel it. And then at some point that, that rustiness in that relationship ends up you know, uh, exploding in, 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 in not good ways. And, you know, I just always 
want people to, to know that we can create whatever we want and with your team and with your, uh, you know, your staff on a daily basis, we're always talking about what we want. You know, I want to feel great when I come into the practice. And if we, if you can pick two or three words that kind of encompass how you always want to feel, it kind of makes the decisions easy on, well, if I want to feel great every time I walk into the office and I'm running into Mary and she doesn't feel great and it's kind of heavy and there's, you know, all these things that are kind of cropping up, you can let that person go just because it doesn't feel great. And you don't really have to have reasons. And I know everybody wants to, you know, have to document things and certainly certain things need to be documented, but really when it boils down to it, uh, it's okay to, to change your team and create whatever you want. And yeah. You're, you're, you're the owner of this. Yeah. And some people listening. Yeah. It's your, it's your call. Some people listening to this might think, Oh, he's had his team doing, they've trained them for years and years and years of this, but you've gone through the team changes just like anybody else has. Right. I, I went through, I'll still remember the day, January 4. Uh, yeah. I had, I think 10 root canals that day. And at the end of the day, I had to let four people go. And it was, yeah, not the best feeling in the world, but once that moment was done, I was the most liberated and the happiest, just like, and then of course the chaos was like, oh my God, what do I do now? <laughs> now but, figure it out, but yes. Yeah, now figure it out. But, you know, never being afraid of change, I think mm. is, is is the key because you never know what opportunities on the other side, whether change happens outside of your control or whether you choose to make a change, you never know what's on the other side of that. And right now my team, uh, feels so great and that could change and you know it's we're never locked in but there's a there's a movement with them that yeah. is really exciting to me and and I just I love empowering them to to have a career in this business yeah. and you know you made the right decision when after those team member changes happen the rest of the team goes oh my gosh thank you so much I was wondering if you're going to ever do that you know I, I just got off the phone with a client right before you in Pennsylvania and she's going I said, well, what's the repercussions from letting that assistant go? And she goes, nobody said anything. Everybody was really positive and happy moving along. And it's like the one surefire way to continue to lose great team members is to keep the negative one on, on board. And, and you, you said something there, and, and I, I don't remember where I heard this quote, but opportunity only lies on the other side of risk. There's like, always going to be risk involved with something worth it. And so we have to understand, and it's not just crazy risk out of control risk, but it's calculated risk. It's like what, and you talk to your mentor, you talk to your colleagues, you talk to your coach about these things and you figure it out and you plan it out and you go for it. You, on the other hand, we talked a couple weeks later, you're like, yeah, this happened. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. <laughs> hey, uh, how come I'm not hearing from so-and-so? <laughs> so, and then yeah. I also say this, you mentioned this fear thing. So many people, business owners, so many business owners, so many people live in an approval addicted mind frame. They're trapped in that mind frame. Approval addiction is a very, very real thing. And it's, it, it is something that you can overcome. It's something that I've worked through over the last two decades in my training and, and what I train uh, leaders on and, and doctors on and team members on. And if you're living in fear about a decision, that's not right. That's not healthy. That has to be navigated. Why do you fear that? I'm, simple things, restrictive insurance. I'm living in fear of restrictive insurance because I'm worried about what's going to happen if I make this change. Well, uh, you know, my, my, one of my mentors uh, 
John Maxwell. He doesn't know it. He's he doesn't know it, but he's one of my mentors, right? Uh, you know, he really talks about risk and growth and the comparison of that, how you weigh that out. And you really aren't going to get growth without risk. It just doesn't happen. And so your mind is talking to you. Your approval addiction is talking to you. What is it saying? Are you paying attention to those words? Oh, you can never do that. You can never do 11 root canals in one day. You can never be free of restrictive insurance. You know, those are the things that we got to decide. What voice are we feeding here? And if it's the fear voice, that's going to always suppress you into the level of which you can achieve. It's going to hold you back. But if you open, you can always go back to the old way of doing things. You can always go back, right? And I, I love that because, you know, it really does come down to, to being able to let yourself off the hook and, and, and just look at this is just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this now. Yeah. Give it full force. And if that doesn't work, you know, failure is just this idea that we, we put in there. And if, if you're a type A personality or perfectionist background, you know, fear is, is a killer. I yes. mean, ab- absolutely a killer of creativity and possibilities and all those things. And so, you know, focusing more on excellence, you know, excellence means I can drop things, make a huge mess. And it's how we pick that up and keep moving. And so I've always wanted to coach my, my team that we want to be excellent. We're never going to be perfect. You know, that's just, that's just the rule, but fear is, is, is something, you know, to really look at and really to step through fear. Like I was afraid of letting those four people go. Um, But really what was true is it, it was just the resistance to what the truth was and the truth is is that they needed to go there was mm-hmm. a bad a bad uh, and as soon as i made that intention to that i was going to do this i felt absolutely rock solid yeah uh, it still yeah. wasn't easy to change people's lives like that but they needed to go and, and they'll uh, be happier somewhere else they'll be a better them. fit somewhere else too there there's yeah. also that side of hey you you might also be doing someone a favor where they have a success story on their own and they may not feel it right now but they will be and i've been a part of that it's no fun that's not the that's not what we're suggesting here is the answer although i will side plug all-star hiring services yeah <laughs> contact contact well, all-star dental academy if you need to hire we're doing a phenomenal job at finding people for dental offices all over the country so that is the only way to go mm-hmm. why why we dentists think that we're HR departments and can go through the applications and resumes and, and figure out who's what and what give it to somebody to do. And they give you two or three resumes and you're going to love each of them and just yeah. pick a personality. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, absolutely. Highly so recommend. Yeah. That. Yeah. So you've inspired me to remind me of some sayings that I love. So life experience is a great educator only, only occurs in growth. If you evaluate it, you cannot just have life experience running the brick wall, running the brick wall, right? You have to actually take a step back and say, why am I running this brick wall? And you got to change and adapt. So I I love that. The second thing is I'd also say that I'm reminded of is there are plenty of successful people who've had people around them that didn't believe in them, but there are no successful people who didn't believe in themselves. And that goes back to the approval addiction and feeling confident in yourself and knowing that, hey, I believe that I can make a difference in this. Does my team believe it? Do they, are they on board? My patients see that confidence in me or do they see somebody who's self-doubting all the time because that's going to create wavering. It's going to create doubt. It's going to create a, a tumbling effect. You want to be moving upwards. Growth is a constant incline. There is no coasting. There's no, oh, I made it. I'm just going to relax now. It's, oh, new team member. Oh, train. Oh, new idea, new concept. Change this. 
I mean, do you feel that way? I mean, you've been doing this for so long. Do you feel like you're, you're on a constant incline? Yeah. And I guess I just made the decision a long time ago and I can get tripped up on anything, but we're humans. And, and so, but I made the decision a long time ago that I just didn't want to feel tension, fear, or being upset in the practice. And so you really have to check in with yourself as you're going through your day, because all of a sudden you might feel yourself tense up about something. But if you don't have that awareness, you just carry that tension into the next one. And then something else happens. And pretty soon by the end of the day, we're so exhausted that we just can't wait to get out the door. And Mm. what I think is great is just to be aware of how we're feeling uh, on a, you know, why are we taking this so seriously? And that moves and then that take, then you transpire that into your culture guide. Yeah. You have a team meeting that we take you through and you go through, what is our culture here? What are we going to live by? And then my, my post today, in fact, uh, for social media was a, a, an all-star client who we went through culture elements with and we helped them figure out what their culture was. And they put it on the wall and they put it in glass, like this frame, like this thing. And it's like, we're living by this. Now it's not something that patients see, it's theirs, yeah. but there's accountability in that. And this is who we are. And it also says who we're not going to be. We're not going to be drained. And that's where people don't fall in love with what they do. Yeah, that's I saw, where, yeah. and it was the 85% of people hate their jobs. Wow. And I'm just like, isn't that sad? That's almost nine people out of 10 that just don't like what they're doing. And, yeah. I, and in my mind, it's like, that's just, that's mindset to me. I think yep. we can learn to love anything. Yep. yep. You yep. might choose to do something different, but we can learn to love what we do. And I think falling in love with endodontics again, and, and, and just the whole process of that is, is what this is all about. And yeah, I get tripped up, you know, I'll get, you know, a patient will just do something or challenged. Yeah. And I realize, Oh, okay. That's something new to put in my tool belt. There you go. There you go. That the competition might challenge you, motivate you. The uh, don't, it shouldn't frustrate you. Mm. Right. And I mean, we see it all. You said it, you know, people love animals. They love their animals. They love their stepchildren. They love their adopted children. You know, they even love their biological children. (laughs) You know, your spouses. I mean, we learn to love things. And I'll say this. When you love your team, it is a verb. It is an action. You are loving them. When you love what you do, right? It's now a belief. It's now something that you're telling yourself to do. It's, it's, it's a status. It's a, it's a state of being. So there's, those are two different things to think about. Love has some different ways to go, but I'm going to be loving to my team. I'm going to love what I do. Define what that looks like, create your vision and then go for it. And this has been really good. I really, really appreciate your time, Dr. Super. This is awesome. Yeah. Talk about this stuff all day. Oh, my God, I love it. I love it. I appreciate your willingness just to help others so much. I know you do that. I know that's you're not just an endodontist. I know you have this in, in your capability. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And when you said you were willing to be on the podcast, I was super pumped. So this is well, great. I, I love sitting and talking with uh, you anytime. So that's always good. <laughs> this is great. So thank you, everyone, for joining us and, and really taking the time out of your schedule to invest in yourself. And so you know that All Star Dental Academy is ready to help you. And if you're interested in anything we offer, hiring services, coaching, like we're talking about, you just email Heather. Uh, you send an email to heather at allstardentalacademy.com. We will be happy to help you just talk with you and figure things out and decide if there's something we can support you with. That's what we're here for. So as well as Dr. Simcock, he's out there ready to help as well. So 
Thank you for joining us and taking the time to invest in yourself. And until next time, go out there and be an all-star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.